press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Friday, December 2. Brittany Higgins cannot go through another trial and all charges will be dropped against the man she earlier accused of rape. The ACT Director of Public Prosecutions received evidence another criminal proceeding would put too much pressure on Ms Higgins. The ACT Supreme Court will this morning convene for a hearing in which it's expected Justice Lucy McCallum will be told the matter is over. Bruce Lehrman has always denied any sexual activity took place His first trial ended before the jury reached a verdict, when a jury was caught doing their own research. That's a breach of the rules. The new decision means Bruce Lehrman is free to get on with his life. He was the Chicago Bulls' big man during their mid-90s championship run. And now low-key rich lister Luke Longley is returning to the game that made him famous, this time as an owner. Later in the episode, we'll hear about basketball's surge in popularity and Luke Longley's vision for the future of the Sydney Kings. It was a verdict 40 years in the making. Christopher Michael Dawson on the charge that on or about 8 January 1982 at Bayview or elsewhere in the state of New South Wales, uh, you did murder Lynette Dawson. I find you guilty. You may sit down. And today, Christopher Michael Dawson will finally be sentenced for the murder of his wife, Lynn. She disappeared from Sydney's northern beaches in early 1982. That's first up. The guilty murder verdict in the trial of former Sydney teacher Chris Dawson brought relief for Lynette's supporters and prompted a change in law in New South Wales. After more than four decades fighting for justice, Greg and Marilyn Sims are looking forward to putting this challenging chapter behind them. Chris Dawson will be sentenced on Friday for the murder of Lynette. After 40 years of freedom, Chris Dawson will today learn his fate. Justice Ian Harrison will hand down his sentence at the New South Wales Supreme Court at midday. David Murray is the Australian's national crime correspondent. He's been following the case for years and he joins me now. Dave, this sentence is the culmination of more than six months of very intense legal proceedings, most of which you've covered in person at the New South Wales Supreme Court. What are you expecting today? And do you think Chris Dawson's family will show up? It has been a long road, Claire. In New South Wales, the judge does have a wide discretion. But I've been looking back over some previous cases, and I think they give us a bit of a guide of what to expect. As far as Chris Dawson's family goes, it was quite surprising that they didn't turn up for the sentencing hearing where his sentence that he's going to be given was discussed. So I'm not sure if that was perhaps a protest against the verdict convicting him of his wife Lynn's murder. So it's unclear whether they will now turn up for the actual sentencing or not. Dave, under the law as it currently stands in New South Wales, there's no mandatory minimum or maximum for murder. So Chris Dawson could get up to life imprisonment. But there have been some pretty big reforms about sentencing in New South Wales to try to bring sentences for historic crimes up to the standard that society right now would expect. 
So what's going to happen with Dawson's sentence? Is he going to be sentenced as if he'd committed this crime today or as if he'd committed it 40 years ago? That's right, Claire. Those changes were brought in only recently in New South Wales. That was after Chris Dawson was charged. And so those laws won't apply to his case. He'll be sentenced according to the sentencing practices of the time. So going back to 1982 when he murdered his wife, what was the sentencing practices of the courts back then? That's how he is going to be sentenced. So the cases that I've looked at, and I've seen a couple of cold case convictions where people were sentenced for murders. And one of those cases was a man called Terry Hickson. He was a penniless punter who was convicted of murdering a bookmaker called Charles Scarrett. It was a botched robbery. It occurred back in 1989, 30 years before he was ultimately convicted. He was sentenced to 22 years imprisonment to serve at least 15. There was another case of a murder of a woman who was called Natalie Henderson. Her killer, Peter Stone, was convicted in 2004, some 14 years after the murder. He received 21 years imprisonment to serve almost 16 years. Those cases were mentioned briefly by the prosecutor, Craig Everson, without going into detail in the sentencing hearing. That may give us some guide of what to expect when Chris Dawson is sentenced. Of course, Dave, Chris Dawson is now an elderly man, so really any sentence could potentially mean that he spends the rest of his life behind bars. His defence counsel made arguments that he's suffering from the symptoms of dementia caused by concussions sustained during his rugby league career. Do you think the judge is going to be uh, sympathetic to reducing the sentence because of that ailment that he's suffering? I think the judge does have to take into account those factors, but he also has to weigh those up against the other factors. In the end, the judge has to weigh up the fact that this was the mother of two little girls murdered probably in her own home. He deprived those girls of their mother for the rest of their lives. He's shown no remorse. We still don't know where Lynn's remains are. I think whatever happens, no sentence is going to be enough. It won't bring Lynn back for her family. David Murray is The Australian's national crime correspondent. You'll be able to hear Dave's analysis along with our colleagues Hedley Thomas and Matthew Condon and me in our podcast, The Teacher's Trial. We'll be releasing a new episode on Friday night and you can find it wherever you found this podcast. Coming up, an Australian basketball legend becomes an owner. My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts.
He's one of Australia's most successful basketball exports. Luke Longley played alongside a handful of the game's greats, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman, in the championship-winning Chicago Bulls between 1994 and 1998. 8-7 Bulls with the lead. Baseline 24-3. Luke, strong rebound, spins. Nice drop step by Luke. We competed together and... and you know, I would take him any day of the week, if, you know, if I had to go through a competition again. If you ask me to do it all over again, there's no way I would leave Luke Longley off my team. No way possible, because he mattered. Now Longley is investing his considerable experience and some serious cash back home. John Stenzolt is the editor of The List and he joins me now. John, Luke Longley is joining the ownership ranks of the Sydney Kings. It's one of the most successful teams in Australia's National Basketball League. As rich listers go, he's fairly under the radar. How rich is he and what's motivating him to do this now? Luke has been uh, consulting to the Kings for a few years now and what they've decided to do is actually bring him into the ownership group that's already there. It's a bit of an all-star ownership group actually when it comes to Australian sports. Robin Denham, who's the Tesla chair globally, and Paul Smith, who is a sports business entrepreneur who sold Repucom for US about $200 million a few years ago. So uh, a couple of the big business now there, mixed in with Luke's basketball expertise and Andrew Bogut's basketball expertise as well. So they're using uh, Luke's, I think, on-court nous, and he's wanting to tap into their off-court nous, and I think the combination uh, hopefully will work pretty well for the Kings. Now, you edit lists for The Australian, including our famous Richest 250, which you're working on now, I understand. I thought you didn't get out of bed for less than a billionaire, John. Is Luke Longley a billionaire? Not in that league. Uh, he's certainly successful on the court. Look, he got paid a lot of money when he was at the Chicago Bulls back in the 90s in Phoenix, New York, sort of towards the end of his career too. He actually parlayed some of that money into uh, owning the Perth Wildcats 20 years ago. It was a bit of a uh, expensive learning experience. He thought he sort of knew more than he, he did from an off-court point of view. It turned out to be a pretty expensive exercise after getting it off Kerry Stokes, actually, the seven network billionaire. Kerry decided to take the National Basketball League off the free-to-air, which cost Luke a bit of money, he said. He ended up gifting his share in the Wildcats to his friend Andrew Vlahov. They certainly learned pretty quickly what it means you know, to own a team in sport rather than play for it. There's a big difference. Uh, Luke, I guess he disappeared off the scene there for a while, but he's made a bit of a comeback in recent years. The Bulls' nostalgia has started up with the Netflix series. But in recent years, he's been involved with Kings at basketball level and I think uh, now he sort of finds it's the time to you know, get back involved off the court as well because the NBL is in a pretty good place. Owners are generally pretty colourful cultural figures. Hey, Dr. Bus, I'm going to buy the Lakers. Ah, no kidding. Welcome to sunny Los Angeles. Great for tans. So I'm going to win the championship one of these days. From here on out, we are playing to win. What does it actually mean to own a basketball team in 2022? It's more than just front row seats along with Beyonce and Jay-Z, right? Look, there is an altruistic element to owning sport in Australia if you're a private owner. Look, you do have to usually take money from your pocket and put into the team. The NBL, collectively, the owners probably lose somewhere, say, 15 to $20 million a year. You know, that that's probably a couple of million dollars each. 
Something like the Sydney Kings, they do okay because they're pretty successful on the court, right? I mean, they're getting crowds 11, 12,000 plus, Christmas Day, game coming up. They've got some good business now. So off it, look, uh, you know, the owners do have to tip in, but what they look for is capital appreciation, right? So if they want to sell the club in a couple of years' time when more TV money is coming in, more commercial money is coming in, they can make a gain then. But yeah, I think ownership of sport in Australia is still an expensive uh, proposition. Probably not as expensive as it was for Luke and uh, Mr Vlahov 20 years ago, though. So where does Luke Longley want to take the Sydney Kings and the NBL in the future? Well, I mean, the Kings, I think, have got a pretty good future just in its own right, given that uh, they operate in the biggest market, Sydney. They've got the biggest stadium. There's still seats to fill there. It's a very big stadium. So there's still room to grow there. There's still room to grow commercially. But what they want to do is put an imprint down around Sydney. They've started with this Hoops Capital idea at Moore Park, where they're going to be operating next to the Sydney Swans at their new AFL training centre, which is next to Horton Pavilion. So it's a very you know important part of Sydney. So to complement what they're doing in the West out at their home venue and their training venue at Auburn. So really they want to use that Kings and Flames, the women's team brand, for a match day, but also sort of get it out into more popular culture. Basketball is a very young person's sport, music culture, rap. That's all sort of intertwined with basketball. It's a pretty cool sport. So if they can grow that business model to other things, I think they'll be successful. John Stenzolt is The Australian's Lists editor. Thanks for joining us on The Front. The Front is produced by Kristen Amiot with Harim Khan. It's edited by Tiffany Dimack with Josh Burton. Our multimedia editor is Leah Tsamaglou. And our music is by Jasper Leake. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.